This coming Saturday sees North's ultra-violent division take centre stage and in true survivalist fashion it seems the confines of ultra-violence isn't enough to contain the two titans of the division. The only way the two competitors seemingly are able to reach a mutual conclusion is to evolve, shed the ultra-violence skin for one night and replace it with North's first ever deathmatch. Indulge me. Now we hear a lot about how when people spend a lot of time around something they've got an interest in, over time, the more they spend with it, the more it changes their relationship with it. Chefs spending all their time around food, making the best meals they possibly can, and going home having a pot noodle sandwich. Professional athletes who started playing a certain sport because they had a love for it, turning professional and having that love stripped away replaced with an empty feeling of technique, competitiveness and responsibility. Now what if your hobby, your interests, your passion was horror movies? Spend every moment possible digesting in movies. All of them. The good, the bad and the ugliest of the ugly. Become familiar with the stories the layout, the locked doors, the don't go in there's, the jump scares, everything. So you slowly find yourself still loving the genre, but after time, the layouts are familiar, the locked doors slowly start to open, the don't go in there's turn to come on ins, and most importantly, the jump scares just don't make you jump anymore. It's normal. It's the risky run. The more time you spend with something, the more desensitised you end up becoming to it. Until something new comes along. Something that knows exactly what you're expecting. So it knows exactly what to do to make you scared again. Something that makes you feel as uneasy as you felt the first time that you realised you were falling in love with the fear, something that's so visceral, so unlike what you've previously experienced for the first time in a long time, you feel scared again. My name is Craig, Craig Fletcher. Come with me as we explore North's first ever deathmatch, have a look at the competitors and the situation that got us here. It's time to thread a narrative. And that's where I'd put a theme music, if I had one, but I don't. Maybe, maybe, in the future. July 9th, 2022, a show aptly named Party Till You Puke. The show after the show where Rory lost the title to Liam, and he left with the North belt. But not before providing Liam with a clean slate, a new belt, with none of Rory's bloody fingerprints on. It was a fresh start. Rory approaches unannounced from the rear of the venue, just as we're used to. Familiar sense of unease envelops across the brewery. We all wait with bated breath for his emergence. Now, what ends up emerging is actually far more unsettling than we could ever have imagined. Rory enters the brewery calmly, strolls through the crowd. Often smiles, witty remarks to the audience. 
Uh, he's a different Rory. The pressure of Curry in the North title has seemingly left his shoulders and left him free to actually, possibly, enjoy himself. Which in itself is a beautiful sight to behold. From here, Rory takes the mic in ring and tells us about his adoration for violence. Makes his goal clear. He's going to bring an ultra-violence division to North. Rory then lists some fellow competitors in this very specific, very important order. From first to last, we have Clint Margera, Jack Turner, Jet Martial, Effie, Ali Koch, PCO, and MV Young. Following this, he leaves the ring to a huge ovation. Going forward, North has an ultra-violence division. From here we go to the next match, the next show. The all-important first match in the division for the vacant ultra-violent title was a fatal four-way match. And what better, what better way to showcase the division's intent going forward than with three other rising stars, all as well, making their North debut. This truly did make it seem like it was the land of opportunity. Everything Rory promised it would be. So in the match we have Rory Coyle facing off against Jet Martial, B.A. Rose and Jack Turner. So this match was vital in setting the audience expectations on just what to expect from this division going further forward and it didn't disappoint. So we had B.A. Rose and Jack Turner throwing punches that would make Ken Shamrock flinch. Jet Marshall was thinking outside the box instead of using any of the various offensive weapons scattered in the ring and around the ring. Was just using his speed and, and absolute fearlessness to his advantage by just launching himself at anything that would move. B.A. Rose also wrapped himself in barbed wire, launching himself at other people. There was a barbed wire man chant that broke out. It was beautiful. There were wooden pallets. It was carnage. Rory won the match, paid his respects to his fellow competitors, again, making their debut, and just as he was about to leave, was confronted by a familiar face in the crowd. That face was Clint Margeris. Clint came from the back of the venue, not from the entranceway, made his way to the ring, climbed into the ring to confront Rory. Voice's displeasure, not being a part of the division's first match, didn't take a microphone, didn't need a microphone, was just confronting Rory one-on-one, didn't matter about the crowd, crowd weren't, he wasn't there for the crowd. Now Rory, not one to air his dirty laundry in public, tried to subdue Clint, take the conversation backstage. The moment Rory turns his back, Clint levels him with a forearm at the back of the head, throws some boots in for good measure, places a ladder atop Rory's prone body and then proceeds to strike the ladder with a steel chair again and again and again and again and again. It's possibly one of the most uncomfortable attacks North's ever seen. Clint left the ring and the audibly silent and uncomfortable brewery the same way he came. Clint, at this point, 
had announced his arrival. So, who is Clint Margera? So for the uninitiated, to take a moment to tell you a little bit about who Clint Margera is. Clint is and has been a staple in the ultra-violent and deathmatch scene for the last 10 plus years. Some of, but not all, of his achievements include the following. 2017 Combat Zone Wrestling Tournament of Death Competitor. Up until that point, well, up until this point actually, was possibly one of the leading, if not the leading, deathmatch competitions and promotions with a world-famous Tournament of Death. 2020 TNT's DOA winner, a one-night tournament, defeating Jimmy Lloyd, Spike Trevay, and then North favourite Ricky Shane Page in the final. He is a two-time TNT Extreme Division champion. He holds victories over deathmatch alumni such as Session Moth Martina and Alex Colon. But most importantly, most impressively, he has fought against Matt Tremont, Danny Havoc, Drew Parker, and Akira, all of which of you as deities in the deathmatch scene. All of those competitors' influence cannot be understated within the scene. So Clint has bled in and around rings all over the world for his love, which is deathmatch wrestling. Arguably nobody in the country who has done as much for the scene and for the genre of violence than him, especially within the UK. His importance really cannot be overstated. This is his passion, this is his livelihood, this is his life, this is his jam, this is what he does. Now on that fateful night, July 9th, when Rory came to the ring and talked at length about his passion, about his idea of bringing an ultra-violent division to North, hindsight tells us that Rory was opening Pandora's box. Rory talked about his love of violence, and the first name out of his mouth was Clint Margera. So was Clint a part of the pivotal, all-important division launching match, which was set to take the company in the scene by storm? He wasn't. Was he even booked on the show? As a way to integrate him at the company, to give us a taste of who he is, following his one, quite frankly, disrespectful match in North 2.0, where he's constantly referred to as Cliff on this show. Was he given a chance to re-establish himself as the force that he is? He wasn't. No. Did Clint decide to snatch his opportunity with both hands, instead of being handed it? Come through the back of the crowd, confront Rory in the ring, before attacking him? in, as we mentioned, one of the most brutal and genuinely uncomfortable North segments we've ever seen. Yeah, he did. Clint instantly both announced his arrival and his intent. This ultra-violent division meant nothing until he was a part of it, and just as he'd proven by coming through the crowd and demolishing the newly crowned champion, one way or another, he was going to be a part of the division, and there was nobody who could stop him. Taking a sidestep and looking at Rory, so since we've been blessed with this new division, we've had a much different Devil of North that we've been used to over the last two years. We've seen Rory appear a lot more subdued. He's no longer picking fights 
with every step that he takes through the crowd, he is smiling. He is making jokes. He's having fun. And he also, possibly most importantly, brought back his absolutely incredible theme music. Banger. All day, every day. Volume to ten, Alexa. Uh, he's still going out and having punishingly brutal matches. He's telling his intense stories, but most importantly, he looks like he's having fun. So when he was defending the North title, almost like if it was an albatross across his neck, it wasn't a blessing. It was a curse. So he knew that with that title in his hands, only a wrestler of a certain calibre would be able to pry that from his grip. This is seemingly, potentially, arguably, what turned Rory into the devil. He spent a year pulling the absolute best out of anyone and anyone who stepped in the ring with him. But it was at a cost. Rory refused to accept nothing but the best. And in hindsight, was making sure that North had a better title picture set up for once he was out of it. The cost was that he spent the year doing anything and everything to not only keep the title, but make sure that we hated him for doing so. So when Liam freed Rory from that self-imposed pressure, pressure, that is when we get to see the playful side. We get to see Rory have an absolute polar opposite style matches than what we're used to. We get to see him planted firmly in the middle of a love triangle alongside core best wrestler in the world Effie and North official John Myers. We get to see him have quite literally the time of his life against the other cheek of Bussy and the other core best wrestler in the world, Ali Katch, under the umbrella of the ultraviolet division, but all telling very different stories. So in the promo, which initially launched the division, the show following Rory losing the title to Liam, Rory explained to us that as much as he wanted to, he couldn't leave. He couldn't shake the inspiration from the likes of Terry Funk, of ECW, of the Japanese deathmatch scene. He craved the reaction of a shocked crowd when they'd see something that they couldn't believe someone could walk away from. This entire division was born not out of anger, not out of hate, it was born out of love, it was born out of support, the love that Rory and like-minded folk have, who all share the same feelings when it comes to violence, and he wanted to create a very dangerous space for those who felt the same way to come and explore those feelings together, and as mentioned, who was the first name out of Rory's mouth when he laid, his, when he laid out his mission statement. It was Clint. Now, who is to really say what Rory's thought process is here? The first impression is that he's doing exactly what he's saying. He's trying to create that space for like-minded folk to do like-minded things. And what better way to draw attention to it than calling out the biggest dog in that yard by that name? Maybe he's confident in his ability to welcome one of the lead and deathmatch wrestlers into his division and feels like he could have a good few scraps with him and then, you know, a bit of fun, tease a few movies, make a few films, throw some cheeky references in, have a few drinks after the show, maybe some wings, who knows. Or, or maybe Rory is so used to being around these kind of matches, his kind of matches, that he's familiar with the tropes. He knows what he's doing when he's setting the table up on the outside, right? 
He knows what he's doing. And before the show, he's hiding a box of tapes under the ring. Right? He knows exactly what he's doing when he's picking a fight with Clint Margera. Right? And we all know that Rory doesn't think pages ahead of his opponents. He thinks books in front of them. And he truly is the sickest of the sick. He's capable of dark, unholy actions void of any kind of compassion or remorse. He is the self-proclaimed devil of North. But what if a bigger devil comes along? If there's someone sicker, and with them, they bring death. Someone who, for the first time in a long time, make you scared again. As usual, tickets are sold out for the latest North show. However, you can follow it along on the night across North social social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, of the likes. Uh, it'll be uploaded onto their Patreon and across the newly announced Fight TV show short time after the event. Uh, thank you, I think, for listening, if you're still here. That's really nice. Uh, and hopefully it's been nice and you've enjoyed it and if you haven't, um, well you didn't pay for it so I can't give you a refund oh well, Uh, yeah thanks very much, bye bye